couple of things I want to underscore on the announcement sheet. Y'all come on in. Um, I want to underscore uh, the fishing uh, thing. Should be fun. We've tried to train the fish. <coughs> they are true linear fish. That means you don't need a hook. You just need food, and we'll gobble. And uh, um, uh, they will eat or bite on just about anything. So we urge you to come. Um, some of them are big. Some of them are little. If you want the secrets to how to win the tournament, I'm a lawyer. I can be bought. Uh, I can, no, I, I will tell you, uh, uh, if uh, you want to catch lots of little fish, there are a couple of places where the little fish, the little bluegill bite, you need to buy number four hooks for your kids, real small little hooks, get small worms to go on them. Um, if you want to go for the big ones, uh, uh, then uh, you need to talk to Mike because he catches all of them and he's tagged them. So he's got this little fish finder and he can find them anywhere on the lake they are. Um, which also means he should not be allowed to compete. Um, the class social is coming up. And, and for those who haven't been, we've got the benefit of, of living with a, we've got a, a park of sorts attached to our house. And so we get to do this in the park. Um, and, and I'm looking at it, it's five bucks a person, hot dogs with chili cheese, onions and relish, chips and a drink, extra items or a buck each. This is not a profit effort by us, but the people who cater it, it is for them. So that's not at, at cost because they're a business. And so I want everybody to underscore uh, uh, money is something that uh, 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 does not grow on trees. And uh, do not let money keep you from coming. Everybody probably is going to eat that Sunday. Bring your own food. You don't have to pay for it. And a lot of you, like, we get John Bull to bring his own food because we like to eat it better than the caterers. And so this is a chance for you to find the people around you that cook well and say, don't you think you should bring your own food? And don't you think I should sit next to you on a, and make sure it's okay? Um, it's a wonderful chance. So bring your own food. Heaven, some people bring little barbecue pits. And we've got a few barbecue pits around the property. But some people like to come cook out their own food. It's a family day and just a chance to open up the park for, for our class to have some fun. So please do not hesitate to come. Um, I am not going to thank Steve Taylor for all the work on the website because he specifically said he didn't want to be mentioned. And Lewis is probably upset for mentioning him. But I'd like to go on record and say it was Lewis that did it. Uh, but I am most appreciative not only to Steve, but a number of you have been coming to me saying, can I help on the website? Can I help on the website? And, and thank you for that. Um, I think that's most of business. I don't have my little remote control, so I have to stand here and punch. Oh, uh, Mark Kraber and Stacy Kraber have lessons if you want one. It's a biblical literacy lesson, uh, uh, but it's with a twist. Because this starts our three-week series here at the church on, on, on uh, evangelism, sharing Jesus without fear. And uh, Scott Ryling and Wade Liberator were gracious enough to, say, to, to, to not only say it was okay, but to encourage our class this Sunday, which is an introductory sermon uh, Sunday, to, to stay with the issues of, uh, of uh, church history because it fits in real well. The next two Sundays, uh, 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 we're going to have two weeks of this uh, coming up after today, will not be church history Sundays. Now, that's not saying, okay, gee, don't come. That's saying, 
come because it's going to be better than what we're doing normally. When we're done with that, we are kicking back into church history, and we're going to really kick back in. Uh, um, we got one more lesson I want to do out of the 200s, and then we're going to pull into the 300s. But the lesson that we're going to do next out of the 200s is the big fight between the liberals and the conservatives. Not a lot has changed. And uh, uh, the, uh, 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 the, the liberals are represented by origin. They were the original liberals. And uh, Tertullian, the trial lawyer, represents the conservatives. And they had quite a tussle going. And so uh, uh, I urge you to come. After that, we're pulling in full-blown into the 300s, which is an exciting century for our Christian church brothers. The 300s are going to be when we see Constantine converted, maybe. Uh, 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 God knows the hearts, but it was awfully politically convenient for him because it kept his empire together. Christianity had conquered the Roman Empire by 300s, the early 300s. We're going to do the Council of Nicaea, which is when they had the big knockdown drag out over, is Jesus God? And if so, is he God to the same degree as God the Father? Or is he a lesser God? And, and it's interesting because we just, as an evangelical Baptist church, say, ah, it's the Trinity. Well, the Trinity as such is not mentioned with that word in the Bible. And so it was a struggle for Christians to understand the nature of Christ and the nature of God. How can we say that Christ can be fully human and fully divine? When if Christ is fully human that must mean that he's got some kind of sin. And so the Catholic Church, one of the responses was no. While he was born of Mary, Mary at that point in her life was without sin. That's the Immaculate Conception. The Immaculate Conception means Mary's without sin when she gives birth to Jesus, and that's how Jesus can be born without sin and no father beyond the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be looking at the development of those topics, the Council of Nicaea, and it's going to be, uh, we're going to be looking at the growth of Catholicism as a, a structure, and these are the lessons that we'll be coming into summer with, ending May and coming into summer. So I, I look forward to coming back with you on those things and urge you to be here. This morning, we are going to do an introductory class to evangelism, sharing Jesus without fear. And Scott uh, did a wonderful job. He, bless his heart, he's presented to the church staff, he's presented to the deacons, he's presented to all the teachers uh, uh, with outlines and PowerPoints. And, and uh, uh, then graciously, after he showed me all of that, said, uh, you can do it in a way, and I would urge you to do it in a way that fits what your class is learning. So this is a little bit less church history and a little bit more contemporary in a way, but it's still church history and a lesson I had intended on teaching at some point during this class anyway. It's just a good time to do it today. Here's where we start out. On Calvary, around 30 AD, you've got a ragtag band of uneducated, unimportant fishermen who are at the foot of the cross in Jerusalem which to us we think of as a huge town because we read the Bible, but it was no huge town in Rome's day. And it's in a backwater country that Rome didn't pay a lot of attention to. And so here in this backwater country, this 
town of Jerusalem, no big deal, on this small knoll or hill called Calvary, three men hang on a cross until death. And gathered around at the foot of the cross are some people. Peter's not there. He's hiding. He's ashamed at his denial of Jesus in the courtyard. We think John is there. Mary is there. But it's a very small few who stay and watch Jesus die. And those that did were not the, the powerful. They weren't the important. They didn't have big websites. They weren't reporters for the paper. They weren't on the news. They weren't the people that folks want to follow. They weren't trendsetters. They weren't wearing designer clothes. They were nobodies. They were average, common Joes. And from that nucleus, that small bit of nothingness, within 150 years, God grows a church that totally permeates the entire Roman Empire, all of known civilization. And even beyond the Roman Empire, we know in India there are mission efforts at this point. We know in Babylon there's more. And, and the church is just taken over from that small band of ragtag followers in merely a hundred in 50 years. How does that happen? How does the church grow? Do you think maybe it was just luck? A roll of the dice? Right place at the right time? No. The church did not grow from that handful of followers because of luck. Do you think the church grew because everybody was really silent about it and didn't want to tell? It just grew on its own. It's like nut grass. Any of you garden? Those who chuckled garden. Because you know nut grass. Nut grass probably did not exist before the fall. It's like roaches. <laughs> I think it's a creature of the fall. Nut grass looks almost like a couple of little sprigs of monkey grass when it first starts growing in your garden. And then it, draw, it grows up this little spike with this ugly little brown stuff on top. And if you pull it up, you'll think you got it because down at the bottom it's got this little tendricle that gets real thin. But that's where it snaps. And underneath that real thin tendricle, you know what there is? There's a nut. And that nut sends out tendricles like this. And nut grass can take over a garden. It is down there, but it hurts here. It's a pain in the neck if you're a gardener, okay? It's very quick. That's not the way the gospel spread. The church did not grow because people were like nutgrass and they're all underground and they're all just hanging on by a thin little reed, but they're persistent little nuts and they're just out there permeating. No, that's not really it. I want to tell you how the church grew. The church grew because of the Holy Spirit. Jerry Lewis was talking to me this morning. He said he was in Mississippi, had just walking down the streets over the week and, and had four people pray to receive Christ that he talked to. I think, man, 
It must be the name Jerry Lewis. <laughs> now, that may have opened a door. Must be his outgoing personality. No, it may have opened the door. Must be his eloquent words. No, though he has them. If someone comes to Jesus Christ, they come to Jesus Christ because of the Holy Spirit. Period. That's good news for us. Because I got to tell you, I'm not really good at the evangelism stuff. It's not something that's come naturally over my life. It's something that kind of, you know, I kind of figure, eh, we live in a Christian culture. I'll just make sure everybody knows I'm a Christian, and if they want to know about it, they can ask me. And I don't want to go out of my way and talk to them. That's kind of awkward. I want to look like I'm trying to choke them into submission. You know, get the gospel chokehold on them. Get a big old King James Bible and tuck it up under their neck right there and just <clears throat> till they yell, Uncle. And then you say, No, you know, Jesus. And you keep choking. <laughs> it's just not the, the approach that I, I'm comfortable with. But recognizing that it's not us, it's the Holy Spirit that does it, then all we got to do is just be what God wants us to be. God knows whose hearts are ripe. God knows when to move you into their lives and not to. God knows how to talk to people. God knows not only what's going on in their minds, He knows what's going on in their hearts. So we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to know it all. We don't have to get them into the kingdom. We don't have to choke them with the King James or any other thing. We just got to be who we are. I was in Arkansas speaking on Thursday morning, and I had a fellow come up to me, and he said, <clears throat> Do you know Billy Dumas? And I said, I sure do. He said, she was, and Billy, I forgot what he called you, but the queen of something in Arkansas. And he knows because he didn't remember your last name as Dumas. He remembered you by your maiden name. And uh, uh, he said, she loves God. Now, I said, you're right. And he says, I still get emails from her periodically, because when I said Billy Dumas, he said, yeah, that's her, that's, that was her married name. She lost her husband a few months ago. I said, that's it. And, uh, uh, you know, people know who we are, but it's not our job to figure them out. That's God's job. We're not smart enough to do it anyway. We'd mess it up. It's the Holy Spirit that converts people. It's the Holy Spirit that grew the church. It was God, the Holy Spirit, that made the church what it is today. Let's look at it. This is not new. Jesus, this 